Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Think Again Worship Podcast. Well, my name is Tom Dykstra, and I'm inviting you to rethink the ways you plan and lead worship. It's because I believe that your leadership has the power to help your people experience worship that is truly life-changing, worship that reorients their lives to the hope of the gospel. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Think Again Worship Podcast. Today, I want to talk about a topic that I think most worship leaders wish just didn't exist, a reality that we wish we didn't have to deal with, and that's the reality of criticism. Now, I think that just because the nature of what we do on stage, in front of many people, um, something that's important, you know, we speak into a microphone, we sing into a microphone, we're creative in front of people. We just, the nature of what we do invites, at least it either invites feedback and opinion, or we just feel that we are putting ourselves out there and, um, you know, in, in front of people to be evaluated. I think that feeling of being critiqued by our congregation or being evaluated is, is a common thing. Not only that, but we have people who come up to us and shake their fingers at us, either literally or um, kind of figuratively in their um, input to what we've just done on stage. And um, I've, I've, I, th- I think that probably every worship leader I've ever talked to has dealt a little bit with this, um, you know, going home after a worship service discouraged. Um, going home um, kind of bummed, maybe upset or, or even angry because someone made an insensitive comment to them about the way they led that day. And it's just deflating. And and I want to think again with you today about criticism because we always, we always think of it as this negative thing. And, and often it is very negative. And it's got a negative power. But, but I believe as we rethink our response to it, we can actually uncover um, at least somewhat of a, of a positive power of criticism. So I want to dig into that with you today. And if, if, you, if you've struggled with handling criticism in the past, um, keep listening. Well, there are two kinds of criticism that come from, I think, two different kinds of people. And this is way overgeneralizing, but the first is, is constructive feedback. So this is the kind of input that comes from somebody who you know, who you know well, and who you trust, and who has, has uh, demonstrated to you that they love you, that they care about you. This is from someone who understands your role and, and sees the importance of your role as a worship leader for your whole congregation and really cares about you and the people you're leading. And because they love you, they're able to give you uh, insights into the way you lead that, that they can give you with sensitivity. They, they think about how you're going to feel, and they, but they want the best for you so they don't hold back good insights and, and areas for improvement. Now, uh, that doesn't mean it's easy, right? Like we still have to have a thick skin for this kind of feedback. 
because it can still sting. It's still a deeply personal thing. We've made, maybe we made a mistake or, you know, there's areas for growth, but we need this kind of input. In fact, I would say if you don't get any feedback, if you get, if you don't get positive or negative, um, you should be inviting this kind of input. Find someone you trust and ask them to be real with you and to give you insights into how you might be able to improve. So the second kind of, of criticism, let's just call it that, criticism. This is information that people want you to know because they've identified a problem, something they want to change, something that needs to um, have improvement, uh, something that's disruptive to worship um, that they feel you are responsible for. And since it bothers them, they need somebody to know, why not just tell you? And again, an overgeneralization, but these are usually people that don't particularly care about how you feel. It's not in the context of an ongoing, um, um, healthy, trusting relationship. And it's usually not as well thought out. And that, that's kind of the kind of criticism I want to focus on today. Um, not sure if you've ever received a compliment sandwich. You familiar with this concept? I've got a favorite sandwich shop in town. And the reason that it is my favorite is because every ingredient on the sandwich is delicious and quality and works together to make the whole thing amazing. A compliment sandwich is basically the opposite of a delicious sandwich. The metaphor is this. Um, people serve you a sandwich. The bottom slice of bread is kind of a um, an insincere, um, usually kind of drawn out stretch of a compliment to kind of point out something that they sort of appreciate about your leadership. And then on top of that slice of bread is the real meat of what they want you to hear and what they want to say. And that's usually um, kind of a sharp critique of something uh, terrible about the worship service that you are completely responsible for and that made it impossible for them to worship or participate in the service. And um, you're, you're clearly uh, to blame. Well, then they toss on the slice of bread on top of the meat and that's usually just a quick reference back to that nice thing they said at the beginning. And it kind of eases them. I think they recognize the tension of, of giving negative feedback. And so it makes them feel kind of less mean and slightly less confrontational. Well, that kind of compliment sandwich, that kind of criticism uh, can really deflate our enjoyment of leading worship. And it can suck, suck the, the fun out of it. And it has a lot of negative power. Now, the negative power of criticism, I'm going to summarize it with, with three quick points, okay? So um, the first negative power of criticism is I think it makes us focus. It draws our attention onto the approval of others. So it pulls us like a magnet, our, our, our focus to think about, do I have people's approval or don't I? So we begin to focus on whether people approve of us. Second negative power of criticism is it, it really makes us feel things in our heart that we, uh, we know maybe don't belong there, maybe aren't good feelings. And these are strong feelings though, like, like, like anger, um, maybe shame. 
you know, embarrassment or self-consciousness. Uh, it could even be a defensiveness, like this angry feeling that that is reactive to the person that's giving you criticism or self-righteousness. And it kind of sours our heart and we know some of those things aren't the best. Uh, thirdly, uh, I think the power of negative criticism is that it um, it creates distance between us and our people. Uh, and maybe it's not everyone in your church. Maybe it's just these people that are giving you the feedback and it makes us kind of resent them. Well, that's a lot of power to focus our attention on gaining other people's approval to feel those nasty things in your heart and to feel further from your people. And that's kind of the natural outflow of criticism. If we don't do anything about it, that's where our hearts go. That's where our focus goes. And that's where our relationships go. It's, it's where it takes us. It's not fun. It's not good. It's very personal and it stings a lot. So I don't know what kind of criticism you've experienced. Uh, I don't know what kind you're you're thinking about right now. What I don't know what kind you know most often just discourages you or deflates you as a leader. But I believe that criticism doesn't have to ruin your joy. It doesn't have to ruin your leadership. And just like there is a negative power, if we're able to instead of having those three negative powers of criticism um, tear us down we can ask a question with each of those negative powers that um, is an important question that, that maybe that we've been avoiding. Okay, so I want to lay out those three questions for you today. And I believe that if we're able to, to go here with criticism, that criticism can at least not be completely destructive. It has potential to really focus us um, and make us more effective worship leaders. All right, let's dive in. So each one of these three questions corresponds to those negative powers of criticism. So while criticism has the power to draw all of our focus onto the approval of others, the question I want to challenge you to ask yourself is this, whose approval am I looking for? Whose approval am I looking for? And here's the spoiler. The approval you need is God's approval and you have it in Jesus. So this is the gospel. This is the freedom of following Christ and being in relationship with God. His approval you need. Although you don't deserve it and although you've done nothing to earn it, nothing to prove your worth, God loved you. And God says, you are valuable, you are um, worthy, and I'm going to prove it to you by sending my son to pay the penalty for your sins and to restore you into relationship with me and use you for my purposes. You've got my approval. And, and friends, you have it in Christ. Well, one of the words the Bible uses to describe God is glorious. And when we use that word, um, we usually mean like amazing. Maybe we're talking about like a, a sunset or something beautiful, a view, we del something delightful, something wonderful, magnificent, awe-inspiring, worthy of attention, worthy of fame and renown, something we want everyone to know about. 
Well, when the Bible uses that word glory to describe God, the word that it most often actually means is weighty or weightiness, something with weight. Okay, so something that's significant, importance, or value, or, or has importance, or has great value. God is glorious, weighty, important. Well, the problem that we run into as worship leaders, and this is really anybody in all areas of life, we struggle with this, and it's that we ascribe glory to people. There are people in our lives whose opinions of us and whose perspective on us carries a lot of weight, and we get it out of whack when we give it to other people. Now, if you've ever uh, bought a home or sold a home or thought about buying or selling a home, you know what an appraisal is. An appraisal, although I'm not an expert, uh, this is what I understand it to be, um, you need someone to determine the worth of the house. And so this appraiser comes in and they examine the house, the construction of it, the interior quality, the, the exterior, they go in and out, up and down, all around this house, examining it. And they determine the value, how much that home or property is worth. Well, this is what we are subjecting ourselves if we're seeking the approval of others. We're subjecting ourselves to their determination of our value. We're saying, examine us, inspect us, watch us, look at us, see what we do and tell us what we are worth. Well, the only one that we want, and sometimes we don't even want this, but the only one we want um, who, to know us on the inside and the outside is God. And the amazing thing is that he miraculously offers us grace despite our weaknesses. So God looks at our house. He sees the good and the bad and the ugly. And he says, you know what? I look at you through the lens of Jesus and you are perfect. You have great value. All in, in fact, in the little areas that you recognize weakness, I'm going to fill in. That's where my strength is really going to shine through. Now, it's pretty common for us. If someone's been critical of us, we maybe decide, I'm not going to care about what they think of me. I don't care. Like, they're the opposite of glorious in my mind. They don't have, their, their opinion does not carry weight. And maybe this is in the context of when you're when in your church there's a vocal minority, you know, just a small clientele of people that like to tell you that you're not doing it right, that you're doing it wrong. And maybe you've decided you don't care about their approval. Well, there's a little bit of a danger here because I think if you resent that and if you have angst or negativity about um, not needing their approval, it's probable that you're um, doing the math and saying, well, at least I have 95% of you know my church is all about what I'm doing. But again, your focus has been drawn to the approval of others. And again, in criticism, we have the opportunity to remember the gospel. The freedom of the gospel is that it frees us from living at the mercy of the appraisal of others. God says what our worth is. He proves our worth by giving his life for us. And that frees you to lead as a worship leader, not trying to appease others, but really seeking to honor God with your role and to, to do what he calls you to do and knowing in, in, being secure in that you have his approval. So here's the second question. 
Remember how the negative power of criticism just makes us feel these things in our heart that we kind of know don't belong. So the question I want to encourage you to ask in, in the face of criticism is, what's going on in my heart? What, what do these feelings reveal about my heart? And it's really a question of, do I have the courage to examine myself, to look in at what's going on inside? So I grew up on uh, part of my childhood on the East Coast, and we would go to the beach, and and whenever we went, we'd see these guys walking around with metal detectors, and, and as they hovered, you know, those circular discs at the end of the, um, almost looks like a weed whacker, you know what a metal detector is. Anyway, as they hover it over the sand, it's kind of beeping electronically, and the beeping is intermittent, but when, you, when it gets close to s- s- perhaps some metal object underneath the sand, it starts to beep intensely, and it gets a really funny, really bizarre, wild sound. And then they dig and look to see what's underneath. And then they dig and look to see what's underneath. Well, criticism is like running a wound detector over the terrain of our heart. It's like running a wound detector over the terrain of our heart. If the beeping gets intense, you know, if the feeling is strong, and, and if, it's, if it's just kind of bunched up and, and upset, then there's probably something there that we should deal with. And criticism actually helps to scan our hearts and identify some of those attitudes or wounds or sins that need to be dealt with. Now, I, there's there's important soul work here for you to do. I can't do it for you. I'm just inviting you to do the hard work um, because we don't want to leave stuff unattended in our heart. Um, Psalm 139, you know, David says, search me and know my heart. You know, see if there's any offensive way in me. This is a critical question to come to God with. To, there, there's things that need to be exposed and uncovered and brought into the light. I use this analogy a lot as a youth pastor working with kids and talking about dealing, bringing our sin into the light. Um, picture like a Tupperware, of maybe mashed potatoes in the back of the fridge. And it was a great meal. You just put the Tupperware away and you kind of forgot about it for a few days. And by the time you would like to eat it, you realize, oh, there's some mold on there and you can see it through the clear glass, right? Well, you're too busy to deal with it right now. Put it back. A week later, you can tell it's getting worse, but you even have less of a desire to deal with it because it's such a mess. And then a week later, you still definitely don't want to deal with it because it's just gotten so bad. And you know, if you pull it out, it's just going to smell and it's going to be hard and it's going to make the garbage can stink. And you've decided not to deal with it. It takes a lot, just a deliberate choice. I am going to take it out and deal with it. And we have stuff in our heart that we need to do that with. It could be sin. It could be um, a wound. It could be a deep insecurity. Um, Maybe just the idea that you're never enough. Maybe there's deep, um, painful childhood experience that this is just causing to beep a little bit. My invitation is examine your emotional response. You know, look under that rock, see what's there, uh, open up that Tupperware, and you can do that again because you have God's approval, freedom of the gospel. Examine your heart.
there one more illustration here um so, some after some um one more illustration here after we have done you know these evening contemplative services maybe it's for good friday or candlelight service for christmas or whatever after one of these services um uh, a few of us were blowing out a whole bunch of tea candles i think there were 200 tea candles and other people were helping do it and as you blow them out the wax is just spraying everywhere and so we had the the next day there was just kind of candle wax all over the carpet well there's a way to get it out and you need to take like a paper towel or a towel and put it over the wax that's become hardened on the carpet. And you need to put an iron, um, hold an iron, like a clothes iron, um, up to it. And it melts the wax. It releases it from the fibers of the carpet and it soaks them into the towel. Now, you'll have to look it up, Google it, if you're actually going to try to use this um, for, for your next uh, wax mess. But what I'm getting at is that even though criticism is uninvited, it's that heat that allows us the opportunity to melt some stuff in our heart that we can actually get it out. We can actually deal with it. And it's not fun. That, that particular cleanup task is not enjoyable. It takes time. And I'm sure that heat hurts. If you're the carpet, you know, you're feeling that heat, but it's worth doing. And remember, we've got God's grace. Our our his approval us doesn't hinge on our perfection. Okay, third question. Let's wrap this up. The third question, um, again, corresponds to that um, reality that criticism has the power to separate us from people. Well, I want to introduce this last uh, question with uh, an illustration. Um, I like to hike, and I know this isn't the first time I've talked about hiking on the podcast, but my idea of a perfect hike is like a great workout, long, lots of elevation gain. Um, you get up into the mountains, and high up, you find a crystal clear mountain lake um, that you can jump in real quick, um, and, and hopefully somewhere there's a 360-degree de- view on the top of a peak. That's what I want in a hike. Thankfully, I live in the Northwest, and those hikes actually exist little insider tip if you live in Washington State. Um, there's a great app, Washington Trails Association, helps you find the perfect hike, and I uh, encourage you to check that out. But I've got my preferences uh, and my ideals when it comes to hiking. And so I've become pretty content with hiking solo because I can find the perfect hike for me. But if I'm going to hike with other people, there's a handful of things I've got to be willing to think about. You know, what kind of physical shape is this person in? Are they a beginner? Um, uh, What kind of gear do they have? What kind of weather um, are they going to be ready for? How much of their day are they willing to spend up in the mountains? So you have to think about uh, measurable dimensions like elevation gain and and how many miles and how hot it's going to be. And you have to think about less measurable aspects like if if they've never been on a hike before, How can I help them enjoy themselves? Or if they're from out of town um, and they've they've never seen the mountains around here, how can I choose the best hike that's going to help them have a really wonderful experience and make them want to hike with me again? Because if I drag them up some miserable hike that I love, but that they're going to have a hard time with, that's going to, I mean, literally create distance between them and me. So it takes me setting aside my ideals And um, in humility, remembering that I'm the guide. So this question is really, I I don't really know how to 
ask it exactly, but ask yourself the question, what could enable me to worship side by side with this person? I'm talking about the person that is criticizing, the person that's giving unwelcome feedback. What could enable me to worship side by side with this person? You know, for the most part, complaints that people make are differences of opinion, right? There, there are convictions, though, behind those opinions about how things should be done. But even behind those convictions, um, whether they're aware of it or not, there's some value that they're placing on something. And some of those values are valid and healthy and good. They're just different maybe than our own. And sometimes they're not very well thought out. And, and, and so I want to challenge you to ask those people questions because asking them questions will help you understand um, what's really underneath the surface. So understand what they value. And that will help you understand what they need. You might, I, I want you to be open to this, you might discover that they've got some valid concerns. Maybe there are distractions that you hadn't even thought of. And whether you think they're distractions or not, they are still distractions. And, and sometimes even though um, our heart is good in the way we're leading, there may be something that is getting in the way of them participating. So I just want you to think through, um, just like if you're taking someone on a hike and you want them to have a wonderful experience, how can you guide these people through worship and help them have a wonderful experience? What can you, you know, maybe sacrifice of your own preferences to help them um, have this experience? And by the time you've asked these questions, whose approval am I, am I looking for? What's going on in my heart? And how can I worship side by side? Now we're on level ground with each other. And it's not, I'm up on stage, I get to make the call, so just deal with it. As we close up here, just want to say, again, these questions are not the automatic response to criticism. The automatic autopilot response is frustration. It's focusing on approval of others. It's feeling those things in your heart, and it's distance from people but ask yourself these important questions because they have the power to actually um, enhance your leadership, to get your heart in the right place, to remind you of whose approval you're looking for. Now, in conclusion, I want to say this. First, uh, don't receive criticism in isolation. It's really hard to interpret. It's really hard to analyze and understand criticism. If you just got um, some major negative feedback, talk to someone else. Talk to that person that you can trust. Your temptation might be just to vent about it to someone outside of your church or just gripe about it away from your context, but talk to someone else who was there and ask their opinion. And again, if you don't get any feedback, positive or negative, I encourage you to seek out um, feedback. Maybe you only get like nice comments like, oh, that was such a great service. Maybe there are things you can grow in that you need to ask people for their feedback in. And lastly, I would say, if there's any creative ways that you can invite dialogue about what's going on in, in worship, um, jump at those opportunities. If people know that you're open to feedback, if people know that you um, care about their experience in worship, they are not going to be nearly as negative. Okay, friends, one final, final word. Thank you for listening this long. I just want to encourage you, don't be crushed. 
okay? We want to grow as worship leaders because we are serving our people. Now, these people aren't always grateful, and they don't always understand why we do the things we do. And just remember that you are a servant and that we aren't trying to get better at leading worship for the sake of it. We're trying to to really um, honor this task that God has given us of helping our people rehearse the gospel week after week. And in the amazing uh, context of uh, creating music and um, flow and using our words to point people to Christ. And so just keep doing it. Thank you. Um, in the spirit of um, inviting feedback, um, I'm new to this whole podcast world and would love your input. In just a second, you'll hear my email address, but let me know um, what I can improve. If there's technical aspects, if there's just different things about the podcast that you'd like to see different or changed or would be more helpful, please let me know. Thanks, everyone. Well, thank you for listening to the Think Again Worship Podcast. As I share my perspectives and as we think about worship together, I would love to hear from you what's helpful and what's not. And if there's a question or a topic that you'd like me to dig into on the podcast, please send me an email and let me know, tomdykstra at gmail.com. I hope you found some value in this episode. If you did, share it with a friend or another worship leader, and I would love to have you tune in again next time. We'll see you then.